2: Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Supernatural The Crossroads. I'm your host, Thomas Cowley. Joined with me today is Ryan Denton. Present. Michael Flores. And A.V. Demorat is going to join us as well. And this week, this week we are talking about Season 14, Episode 8, Byzantium. And th- this episode was another, I- I'm happy to say, this episode was another solid one. Helmed by Meredith Glynn and Eduardo Sanchez. This, Hola, como
3: estas? <laughs>
2: wow thank you, Ryan. <laughs> oh, Eduardo's here.
3: <laughs> Hola,
0: ¿cómo estás? Little did any of us know that we were actually going to have an interview tonight with I Eduardo. I know.
2: Shock. Hola. Hola, ¿cómo estás? I think he only knows one word. <laughs> so, what was your inspiration for this week's episode?
3: ¿Cómo estás? <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Nothing but the finest researched interviews here
3: at Crossroads. <laughs> Tango ungato in mis pantalones. God damn it. Why did I know? <laughs> Why did I know? <laughs> well, I mean...
2: Blue streak. That's where you got that. Yeah, of course. Now, not to get too excited this early on in the season because, you know, frankly, like a abused spouse, we've been hurt before. Mm-hmm. But this episode has easily, I think, become a contender for us as far as our year-end review top five episodes. It had, It had everything that we love from Supernatural. It had story progression. It had new lore. It had intrigue and danger and it had some heavy foreshadowing but more importantly than anything else it hit that emotional tone that we that, that has brought all of us back to watching the show for the last decade plus and it hit all walls Thomas all walls it it, it completely us fulfilled us yeah we felt, oh yeah it hit the sides
3: <laughs> and it went deep enough it went it went just as deep as everyone would want it went way over 6.9 inches <laughs> inside of us oh, yes. <laughs> Man,
2: Ryan's in a mood today. So anyway, now Meredith Glenn delivered another great episode. She has really been stepping up her game. It sounds kind of rude to say that in some ways because she's done so well lately, but every episode she is building on. She's getting better and better. She's just getting better and better. Everything yeah. she knows that she's good at, she she hammers home perfectly. She understands the feeling of supernatural. She understands the old Kripke themes. She understands those writing cues, the things that we have loved since season one, episode one. Think things like Castiel sacrificing himself and defying the very nature of the universe, telling, supernatural a, telling a cosmic entity to shove it basically. Yeah.
0: He, he knows he's nothing. Oh, he's he's gonna, fucked. No one's gonna collect him. He already knows that he's, he's gonna find a way out of it. Dude, he's
2: like, you know, how many times I've died? I can fucking walk through like, this door. It's revolving door for me. I just I get
3: killed, up again.
2: I, I killed. We killed death, and then we killed up killed a reaper.
0: I mean, come on. Yeah, I made a deal with a reaper. Then then and God killed brought her. me
3: back seven times, so <laughs> we're good. Deal it, with a reaper, God killed will come, just magically come back from wherever he's off in this you know hacienda. Not only did I kill a reaper, she thanked me because she leveled up afterwards.
0: I mean, nothing can stop
3: me. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean he's he really has that kind of clout to to act that way.
0: Yeah, but I agree with you that I like that Meredith is using those similar Kripke themes, like having one of our key characters w- sacrifice himself—an I mean, important sacrifice, yeah. not it, just
2: it, yes. a meaningless one, or you know somebody throwing themselves in danger for the sake of it for for a you know, a grab of right. audience attention, but for something that deliberately p- makes sense for his character, where he's at and why
3: he would do it. Well, super it's supernatural one-on-one to sacrifice yourself for anything, especially family. But it reminds
2: me very much, exactly, of family. The whole episode centers around that. And with Sam and Dean working to once again to defy death and everything that it encompasses, it's just a perfect setup. And on top of that, all of it is founded by the same concepts and themes that we've been going through for these last eight episodes this one being primarily the acceptance of jack's death you know we we've talked about fear and what you can't control throughout this entire season but here jack is it knows something he can't control and shows us the other side of that coin of just accepting that what you cannot control you know That mixed with Lily Sunder coming back into the narrative in a way that worked, that made sense, and also putting a bookend closure to her story I was Mm -hmm. very happy about. But more and more, all of it, even her part in the narrative, focuses on the same themes of fear and acceptance. And all of that has been working piece by piece over these last eight episodes to deliver some really strong narratives so far. And I don't think any one of us here can
3: really complain about that. I was just super bummed that she was old and... As you uh, would be, as she wasn't be. as hot as she was last time, and she looked le- she looked more like the old version of what's uh the chick in Kill Bill, the one that has the, oh, one eye, the I, eye. I best. know you're
4: talking
3: Yeah. Wait, which one? The uh the, the, Daryl Hannah. Yeah, Daryl Hannah. And she looks like a <laughs> Sidewinder? Yeah, she look like an old beat up version of Sidewinder. Old beat up version of Sidewinder. Yeah. Don't be. You know, so what? there's rude. no room for ageism in this show. Ageism. That's a new one. That's not actually That's it's a been real thing. It's been around for many years. Oh, Jesus. That's not a fake word. It sounds like a fake word. <laughs> yeah, Jesus Christ. Racism.
0: Nice one, Mike. I'm glad you
3: made that <laughs> one up, too.
2: As if people get offended what by ch- when you degrade next, them for how old sexism? they are.
3: Look. <laughs> get back in looked, there and make me a sandwich. She looked like she'd be the one that would drive backwards down the freaking highway because okay. she could barely... See, that is what we call ageism, listeners. <laughs> yeah. It's, tr- it's more like truthism. <laughs> Go to Sun City here in Arizona. Go to Sun City in Arizona. You'll see it. She probably lives there. Oh for fuck. Lily was like, I gotta come from Arizona. Anyway, regardless of Ryan's (laughs) Hold on, I'll help you guys after I
2: take my blood pressure medicine.
3: (laughs) I gotta take my Geritol real quick. You guys have an extra walker I can use. I Uh, left mine in Arizona. I left mine in Arizona. (laughs) That's so funny. They made it's me check terrible. it when when I went through the, I had to go through the, the machine and my pacemaker might've gets oh, for fuck's so. sake, I hope someone horrible makes fun of you when you're old. Like just, just throw shit you know at what? you. I'm going to be the crotchety old guy that laughs at those jokes though, because I look like I'm old. dude you, at that point you've, you, you've lived just about everything, right? You've so lived this,
2: just about everything. You might as well
3: make fun of yourself, dude. I'm going to have like a <laughs> replacement hip shit. My mom has a replacement hip. Now I'm making fun of my mom. <laughs>
1: Ooh. He's just
2: digging himself. Yeah. So as Ryan tries to backpedal out of that that's grave, right. my mom doesn't listen to this. Whatever show. they have done with Meredith, Glenn, like that's what we're worried about. Yeah, I know his mom's. <laughs> please don't. Please, we don't want to offend Ryan's mother.
3: Ages that's where we draw the line.
0: this piece of shit.
2: She's proud, is she? And that's why we hope to offend her. <laughs> All right, regardless of Ryan's, you know, ageism viewpoints, whatever they have been doing has apparently started to work out because Supernatural's numbers have improved. The past episode was apparently the highest of the season so far, and I think it's safe to say that's probably due to word of mouth. Supernatural's fan base is very, very tight. Absolutely. If you're a part of the fandom, you're following people on Twitter and you know other people who are fans. And unfortunately, even with our show, we know we have listeners who have tapped out from seasons twelve and thirteen who still listen.
0: Yes, we have about a dozen or so listeners who are continually sending us uh, DMs on Twitter asking us if the series has gotten better, and they have. And then I'm like, "Yeah, listen to our our discussion." So they go back and they listen. I'm like, all right, I'm going to listen to you guys first, and then, then watch the watch show. It. Yeah. Yes, I like that. They are uh, in tune. They are in tune. Is someone whispering? I think to so. Me? I feel like I'm being hypnotized. <laughs> Wasn't me. <laughs> no, I like that because it shows that we're in tune with many of our listeners and mm-hmm. that they know that if we are talking good about it, then chances are they're enjoying they'll, they'll it. They'll enjoy, enjoy it. it as well.
3: Yeah. Ryan, can you bring up that article? Yeah, I've for got it. Yeah, I've got it here. It says, according to TV series finale, uh, which takes its figures from the Nielsen ratings, the show pulled in the highest ratings for both total audience and key demo. The key demo matched the season 13 finale with 0.5 rating which puts it at a whopping 20.48% increase from last week's episode. While the audience was lower than the season 13 finale, it's the highest of the whole of season 14, sitting yeah. at 1.532 million. The viewing figure saw a 2.54% increase from the previous week. This is certainly a good sign for the future of the show can continue this way.
0: Yeah, it really that's is. A, that's Big huge, jump. dude. Because that's, that's something we were talking about. about it wasn't just the, the overall number decrease but also the target demo itself mm-hmm. just drastically dropped and that's right. that number that's you always huge. have to worry about so to see them bouncing back now that the positive word of mouth is is going around on social media it makes me feel good that we're going to end up ending this season
2: on a high on note on a
0: high note with yeah. in terms of ratings
2: and you're absolutely right mike it's it's it truly is more the demographic numbers than your actual ratings i yeah. know from my previous jobs you can have strong ratings but if it's not in something that they want the right market that they want to
3: advertise to you're going to die. You'll you'll die. Yeah, you're you're going straight down. In
0: fact, that, I think I brought this show up before. Um it became a Netflix show, but there was a show on A&E called Longmire, which was a very yeah, well-written show.
3: Katie Sackhoff and Right. Yeah,
0: really good show, but And the ratings were effing solid as hell for A&E. And A&E said, hey, we're going to cancel this because it's not the demo we want. It's not a buying demo. And they let it go. And Netflix luckily said, hey, we don't really care about demos.
2: We care Um, about content. Yeah, we care about content.
0: And they brought on the show. And it was a huge win for them.
2: Yeah. And another bit of news before we go to a break. Uh, TV Line has Matt Midovich has talked with Mark Pellegrino. Give us a little bit of a tease. As to what we can expect from his character. He asks what can you tease us about. For Supernatural's Nick. Mark Pellegrino says. "Uh, When Dean, Sam and Cass finally find out. Nick's murderous actions. The fallout is not going to be pretty. It's going to be very violent. Oof! That excites me. Yeah. In weird ways, right? In all the ways, weird and normal, and yeah. you know, bisexual. The point of that whole statement it makes though, all
0: his orifices. It moist, makes everything to start
2: tingling. Yeah, yeah. Because we've talked about Nick's storyline this season being one of the most interesting elements. Yeah. It, despite the strong narrative with Sam Dean, even the empty and Jack's, you know, death and resurrection at this point. Nick's story has been something that we haven't really seen in supernatural before some human going on this violent vendetta falling completely into darkness and accepting that in a way that we haven't seen except one time previously way back when a guy who had been possessed by a demon I can't remember the episode but he was trying to re get repossessed because he had, had affected him so this whole concept with Nick is very very exciting because he is a character that you can understand his plight and how he got there. And I love the Shakespearean themes to his story. It's so well, sad and tragic. Yeah. But also, you can't justify what he's doing either. At a certain point, he has crossed that line. Well,
3: he I, I, you can and you can't. It's almost like a double-edged sword, Thomas. You can justify it by being – it adds lore to how, the length of being possessed and the, the the power of the entity possessing you. He was possessed by Lucifer for how long? I mean, that's going to affect – Years. Corrupted, it corrupted his soul, and I think that's what I love about this this story is that you you see that in this episode is you see him don't do it, get away from me, get away from me, get trying away from, to fight trying it. to fight it, but knowing that he can't. Eventually, I think that's the the, the beauty of it. Like you said, there's a Shakespearean thought to it. And but but it's adding lore to it. Now we see that he's been corrupted for how long by being possessed by Lucifer. And I think now we've added to that idea. And I think we had that idea of of it playing out that way, but we weren't sure until now. So I think, you know, this this story is interesting because it is a human being. Yeah. But this human being is it has been tainted. Yeah. And my I'm excited because as long as we can get
0: more. Pellegrino without it just being more the same the same. same. Yeah, I I think that's a win and the way they're they're designing his story arc this season feels like not only is it just going to be something completely different, but it's also going to be tied directly into the main myth arc in a very big way Mm -hmm. and in a way that none of us
2: saw coming. I'm excited for that. And especially when you combine his narrative with all the other things going on in these first eight episodes, we're setting up for a really emotionally powerful dramatic intense season and i'm excited about that yeah intense is good and i think a lot of that too comes from what they've done with the lore we are lore horrors we love that Mm -hmm. and we went talent sexuals and talent sexuals we've gone into i mean last week's episode was so much built upon that delving into what could happen with this character of abraxas and what that could mean yeah what the lore is i'm always surprised how the writers find something else in the in the pantheon of gods and deities and monsters that exist in the human nature and to bring something that we hadn't some of us many of us hadn't even heard of before into a show it's, like this it's it's huge
3: it's yeah. always mind-boggling to, to be 14 seasons in and they still fucking find shit that we don't even like you said we didn't even know about so i think that's the what i always think is neat or they they bring things back in that we forgot about Right. Like Anubis.
2: And this last week's episode that we did did come with a bunch of praise from you guys. A lot of people liked our discussion of the lore and they loved our speculation about Abraxas as well as the parallels that we referenced between Dean and John and Dean and Jack. And part about learning a lesson from Jack, that that idea of what children can teach you about yourself and about life the acceptance of death leading perfectly into this episode. You know, that, that was a very nice gesture from our listener base. So that's a special thank you to everyone that has reached out and shared your thoughts with us. We appreciate that greatly. And I think it's not only is it nice to hear every now and then that we're not completely, you know, a bunch of tool sheds other than Ryan here talking about dick jokes. Yeah, that's (laughs) what I, yeah, but that's what everyone should
3: expect that by now. But
2: some people actually get something out of this show beyond just being a fan and wanting to listen about some guys who are also fans
3: that's it that's very true
2: yeah so it is also the holiday season and so we have a little bit of a special for all of you we are giving away supernatural the crossroads t-shirts when you pledge ten dollars or more in december so that is that is correct if you pledge ten dollars or more a month you will receive a free crossroads t-shirt and this is the kicker if you pledge before December 24th, you will receive a free Supernatural Trivial Pursuit game courtesy of the folks over at USA Obli. Jesus, that's a freaking deal. Now, supplies are very limited on that, so do not wait. The shirt and game will be delivered to you after your first payment is processed. Again, this is before December 24th, so depending on when you want to do that, you may get that before Christmas maybe not i'm not 100 percent certain it depends if you wait till the 24th you're not going to get that in a day i'm sorry well, that would be no, amazing
0: not, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna be able to send out anything until after the first payment goes through so they right. won't get any of their stuff except the content that we offer until after january
2: but that is a shitload of content too content those you,
0: and a shirt and and a free game dude I mean, that's a great gift 10 box. for a fan
2: yeah
3: that's and stupid.
2: So yeah. with that, you'll receive the video cast and podcast retrospectives and specialty discussions, the monthly bonus Crossroads podcast, the pre-show, the cinematography of Supernatural, which, again, has been getting a ton of praise, and I want to thank Mike personally for coming up with that concept, and the monthly 10 minutes at the Crossroads mini-cast we do, the Supernatural t-shirt, and if you're quick enough, the per- Trivial Pursuit game, all when you pledge $10 or more a month. So only new Patreon subscribers and upgrades are eligible for this, and we ask that you guys stay a subscriber for at least a few months, at least three months. That helps us out, helps us do more of these kind of things, helps us do more episodes, frankly, and helps us do all these other ideas that we have. So for anybody who is interested in that, head on over to patreon.com slash Digital. We thank you. Happy holidays. We're going to go to a quick break, and we're getting into our discussion on Episode 8, Byzantium, in just a moment.
3: Rain Man, Show. The
1: Rain Man Show
0: Depending so on So all these high school students that I see Weaving in no, and out of traffic not saying... now are On scooters, scooters are being paid So they're actually being paid to be fucking assholes now.
4: No, no, not They're what being I'm paid
0: to be assholes that
3: leave Scooters in front of my home That's even fucking worse <laughs> Not what I'm saying I'm saying if you see them in somebody's home Yes, they might be stealing it Second, <laughs> second, they could be being paid over twenty dollars so,
2: to charge a scooter.
3: And the uh, Greater Phoenix area voted to bring in ride shares. Yes, please, bikes and scooters. I, I want to know now, who. I want to know who did that. I actually don't know because I at the out. next election,
0: I am voting them out. It is. Did they? This up as a proposition? Did they cool. say, "Hey, Proposition 177 bring in more scooters for lazy fat assholes"? Talk if, they, about. if they put that in Proposition 177 <laughs> in next year's election, I'm going to vote no on Proposition 177. No to losers and no to
2: scooters. Councilman Randy Keating, yeah,
0: she's
1: that was done. one
2: of the members. Let's put a hit on her. I'm just joking.
3: <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs>
1: for more Rainman, visit RainmanShow.com. And for your viewing pleasure, six free spicy movies on DVD plus free shipping. Always sent in discreet packaging. So go to AdamandEve.com now. Get 50% off plus 10 free gifts when you enter the exclusive offer code DEAL30. Again, that's DEAL30 because without it, no free stuff. That's DEAL30 at AdamandEve.com.
0: The Crossroads Video Cast is here. Retrospective reviews, discussions, theories, and geek out, and all available when you pledge $10 or more a month to our Patreon account. Same show, just more of it. Head over to patreon.com slash Rainman Digital to pledge.
1: This is Star Wars from the Bunker Tanger Exclusive.
0: I believe he's most famously known from Game of Thrones. Yes, as uh, Oberyn. Yes, and he's good convincing actor. And I just want to say, it's about fucking time us Mexicans have some time. <laughs> I mean, we have Cassie and Andor play- being played by Diego Luna, and now we have Pedro Pascal. Oh, what's the. A- yeah, the Star Wars future is looking bright, and it's Mexican. It's all Mexican. It's all Latin. It's all Latin America. <laughs> Pass me a taco and a lightsaber. <laughs> <laughs> for details,
1: get ready for an excitingly good time. Also, if you missed your last show, you can also find us on your Stitcher app. Search.
0: Previously on Supernatural The Crossroads
2: Which, on paper, I never would have thought of Well,
0: We've never added a Eugenie Eugenie? Eugenie. We've never added a a Ross Lemming or a Buckner episode Before to our our top episodes I
2: don't think we have Yeah, I'd have to go back and check But
0: they've been on it this season This is their second episode they wrote And, uh, man
2: well done so some, far.
0: Yeah, they're delivering some great episodes. Really excited to see what they're going to do. Can you believe you're you're saying that in. right
2: now. You're excited to see what they're going to do. I, I I don't think we've ever said that. I don't about think we have. I don't think any of us have. Yeah.
0: It, it, it makes me think that there's something going on in that writing room.
2: There's something going on <laughs> behind the scenes. How is everybody so on point right what? now? What's going the, on? The fuck drug are you all on? Where you're like, oh, got it now. We're on talent drugs <laughs> we're, uh. on a, we're on we're a talent drug. <laughs> They're high on talent,
3: Jesus.
0: Now we stole some from Kripke when he was oh, sleeping. Oh shit! Yeah. Okay, so, we, we posed as a <laughs> prostitute in the dark alley. We sucked <laughs> his off. We from. sucked off his grace.
2: If you if you suck from there, that's how oh. you get some grace and you, you get your talent.
0: Talent from the tap.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. Supernatural The Crossroads. Now we're going to get into the discussion of Season 14, Episode 8, Byzantium.
3: Brian, can you give us a synopsis, please? Yes. Directed by Eduardo Sanchez and written by Meredith Glenn. Uh, desperate to save Jack, Sam calls Lily Sunder, who has a solution which involves a dangerous trip to heaven for Castiel, who runs into an old adversary.
2: Now, Eduardo apparently showed up in the studio here today. I wonder if he has anything to tell us about his previous work. Hola, como estas? <laughs> I don't know why I did that.
0: <laughs> no, it's, I, I like how he likes Eduardo, <laughs> but doesn't like Lou Ferrigno. He doesn't like Lou what's, <laughs> yeah. the what's, the, Mexican, <laughs> what's the
3: difference? One's Mexican, one's a bodybuilder? Whatever. They both oh, sound okay. ridiculous. I thought he was going to say one's a Mexican and One one's deaf. De-
1: <laughs> like, what's
3: the difference, Mike? I went with bodybuilder just to be politically correct. <laughs> That's the part that you found
2: to
1: be politically correct.
2: <laughs> Eh, whatever. All right. Now, he directed The Chitters, which was a big episode for all of us in season 11 with the new body-infesting, horrifying Ugh. bug creatures. That was great, yeah. He also directed season 12, episode 7, Rock Never Dies, one of the ones we liked a lot when uh, Rick Springfield finally was able to truly become Lucifer for that role. Want in us a over. Very depressing, very depressing episode at the same time. That was. Yeah, And then in season 13, he had episode 13, Devil's Bargain, which I think was perhaps maybe the lowest one we had of his work. Mm -hmm. But still a a decent episode. We got to see Lucifer and Asmodeus in that one. That's always fun. So this one is, even though that one was a little bit lower, I still think he's shown great aptitude for understanding supernatural with those first two episodes and this one primarily. And Meredith Glenn continues to one-up herself episode to episode quickly she has become really one of their most valuable assets in that writing room not to say that other writers are are not valuable in any way but no, the but, but the fact is she's so good at tapping into that emotional element and she really shined this week she likes the same things we like we like to feel depressed and
0: we, we want to feel <laughs> yeah, she's right we want right. we want to feel like we want to slit our wrist after an episode for me the, that's the what tears. makes a good episode is it's, when you have the emotions and obviously meredith glenn feels the same way because every time she writes a fucking episode i'm either gonna cry myself to sleep or slit my wrist there is no other option you're, thomas it,
3: you're right that's that's dark we're a fucked up group but Are, that's <laughs> what makes for good stories that it sounds is. like me after i have sex
0: or the person you had sex with. That's yeah, what, that, both like of us. Accurate. Both of us
3: actually. Yeah. Hey, nope. I'm using this tub to slip my wrist. Don't <laughs> find oh, the other it's, tub. It's, it's, should, <laughs> Jesus
2: Christ. Uh, yeah. Not too much. A little bit. Yeah, but whatever. you're you're absolutely right, Mike. It's her episodes. You can always guarantee there's going to be at least one moment where you're just sitting there watching, and you're like, I love it. Holy yeah. fuck. It's it's like it.
4: So oops, can I go give ahead, you? Amy. Can I give you guys a a little sneak peek of what? Um, Meredith Glenn is co-writing the 300th episode with
0: Andrew. Good. Ooh. He's I need help.
3: (laughs) Hey, I'm really struggling with writing this episode and how I bring Adam back. Can you help me, Meredith? (laughs) Hey,
0: uh, you know what? Um, I I figured I will do this together, Meredith. Um, you know, I'll help you out. You know, I've been writing for many years. I'm going to help you.
1: I'm yeah, going gonna, gonna to help
0: you
3: write this episode. All right. So what are your ideas? <laughs> yeah, so let me know your top 10 things you'd like to happen. And we'll just, you know, I might have, they might be the same as mine. What? A, what a coincidence. What a coincidence. They're all the same as mine. <laughs> You're going places, Meredith, as do long
0: we, as you help me. Do we finish each other's sentences? I mean, this is so great. <laughs> I feel like we you should the bring back I the period. Adam.
3: Oh, oh my God. God. How did you know? And then
0: I think at the end of the episode, we're going to have Castiel
2: die. <laughs> <laughs> you, you didn't wait. You didn't wait. Oh, You didn't finish the <laughs> sentence. I
0: thought
3: that's where you were going.
2: <laughs> no, but regardless, you're you're right, Mike. She has done a great job of hitting those emotional notes and and with supernatural that has always been a key element the strong familiar family elements lore monsters plus as many know we you're right we fucking like a depressing shakespearean tragedy i mean what if nothing else that was the ending of swan song that the original plan for sure yeah for supernatural is a tragedy absolutely it had so many of those elements in here and i think it hit For so many people, because our fandom is a little bit older now. A lot of people have children. This episode's probably very, very dark for a lot of those people. The fact that Jack's own personal idea of heaven is just hunting with his father figures and eating hamburgers is... is, that's fucked up. Like, like, that's sad face, <laughs> like, right there. That's sad, sad. dude. That's like, sad face. That's, my
3: favorite thing is hanging out, eating this terrible hamburger, and killing monsters. That's
2: that's the kid saying, "All I wanted to do was hang out with you and spend time with yeah. you." Yeah. Like, oh.
3: Yeah, that was fuck. that was rough, man. Because he's, he's like the father that doesn't show up to the soccer game. <laughs> <'Cause that> would,
2: <laughs> no. See, in the in the heaven, he was there at the soccer oh, that's game. that's True. Yeah. And I mean, but you know that is such an emotional punch to the gut, and it's it's a great place. To kick off an episode and to kick off the entire concept that we have in this episode. Using his death as a plot device was very, very well done. I was shocked when that opening sequence was he actually died. And I I wanted to take a moment to say bravo to the actors in this episode. Jared Padalecki sitting there by the side of the bed trying to be there for him but not really having the words. He did a phenomenal job. I know the fandom always seems to... Put a big note on Jensen Eccles' performance, and he is phenomenal. But I wanted to make special note of how Jared portrayed this episode. Seeing him
1: near tears, but holding
2: it back at the edge of the bed, trying to chop down the trees, and just defeated at the end of the road. Well, yelling to Lily Sunder, he's our kid.
3: We're so used to seeing Jensen be the one to hold back the tears and be the one that. With Dean being that strong kind of, you know, I don't show my emotions. So we kind of want to see those a little more. Yeah, but with Sam, it's it's different. Seeing him, I think the yes, him being by the bed was powerful, but him trying to actually go and chop down the trees and make the pyre and failing. because couldn't He even couldn't even do that. Yeah, like that yeah. was, for me, that part was even more powerful than him being next to the bed. Is he went off and then when they found him, he was literally sitting next to the car defeated. Like he had completely failed at saving Jack, completely failed at even making him a funeral pyre, and that to me was more sad than than the flashback of him not being able to chop the trees down. Just him sitting there defeated was way more powerful to me because th- there have been times it, I can relate to that. Mm-hmm. I can relate to that kind of that feeling of like I don't know what to do now, and I think that's where we got out of Sam in that yeah. in that incident. It was it was. Dude, it was rough. Man. I think like,
0: the greatest thing that they did with the episode was what you were leading into, uh, Thomas, about Jack's death being a plot device that works because mm-hmm. that's a problem we had last season,
1: yeah. that there
0: was a lot of use of plot devices that fizzled and really didn't really amount to anything other than
2: for its own existence.
0: Yeah. Whereas this one really mattered not just to this episode, but actually to the bigger picture of the show. It was not the single-serving writing. It was multifaceted, and that's what really immediately drew me in when I realized what they were doing. This is something that was used for the immediate story, but also it branched into multiple possibilities and introductions to new threats. And that's, that's why that element worked for me because I was waiting yeah. for – honestly, maybe I'm jaded. I don't know, but I was waiting for the moment where I groaned. I'm like, this is what you're gonna do with his death. This is how you're gonna bring him back. But suddenly, the last right. what seven episodes that we saw him having, you know, TB or HIV, whatever it was, <laughs> both
2: or <clears throat> flu,
0: whatever he had, it all amounted to something that will matter to the bigger story of right. Supernatural. Which last season we had the introduction of Asmodeus and Gabriel, and it
2: really did nothing, it's zero for the story. So, categorically t- did nothing.
0: Right. So when you take a big concept like Jack death and you use it in this way that's how you make things work for your story
2: well especially because as i sat there and i'm like wow he's really fucking dead they really killed him yeah as i sat there this is something that i too was a little worried about as you pointed out mike this show has constantly shoved the middle finger at the concept of death to the point that it doesn't really fucking matter it doesn't have the same effect on us sam or dean or even jack at this point dying as you said we're all waiting like all right how you gonna bring him back it, it has not been the same since season two.
0: Yeah, we already know that Jack's going to come back. We are. So we they can't. It. So they have to find a creative way to make it work with the audience. So we don't roll our eyes. Sam and Dean are not going to die. Casty are not going to die. Jack at this point isn't going to die. So if you're choosing to go down that route, you need to make sure that it's so well written, that we're still emotionally invested, despite the fact that we know that. They're probably gonna end up being okay in the end.
4: See, and what I what I liked about that scene too is what I was gonna say earlier, is the first thing that Dean says whenever he jumps out of the car was Please tell me you didn't make a deal.
2: I and like that. Yeah, that I was, mean, I was also saying two, that. And and that
4: was <laughs> yeah. it was a good callback, you know? Yeah. But it also Absolutely. shows how much they've grown that by the look on Sam's face, that wasn't even it didn't he even cross his mind. He didn't
2: even consider that. it. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. And they, they've changed. They've grown. But it's it's something that... You're right, Mike. How do you, how do you tap into this and do it well? Because we know they're going to come back. But how do you do it to the point where not only do we feel those emotions properly, but it has something... It's not just a Gabriel Asmodeus, oh, and then they're back because fuck it kind of attitude that we complained about a lot in season 13... And how, more importantly, from a writing standpoint, when someone dies and is going to come back, how do you raise the stakes when you've essentially nullified the concept of death? Yep. And this was a great way to do that. And with the, the, the empty being this malevolent force that is, that is hunting him out like a goddamn hellhound or something, Yeah. all of it really did a good job of bringing about those sad emotions while also maintaining hope. our audience for our, our for all of us and the way it was all worked in to one another the narrative was woven together is fantastic because with Jack's death we get to see his idea of heaven and how do we tap into that emotional sense that okay he's dead but how do we make this matter by having him actually meet his mom Kelly mm-hmm. Klein I I loved that that's the time when a cameo works to su- as a, a supporting character yeah it was a perfect emotional moment and it hurt everyone i'm sure
0: and it made sense on multiple levels that he would go seek his mother out I like that he instantly knew how to escape, escape, and, and they travel. They have that and, too. Yeah, it wasn't just taking things for granted. Like oh, well, no, yeah. Don't he worry just about did it. it. He, he walked out. Yeah, it, it worked, and it was such a supernatural type moment with with the the uniting of Jack and his mother. It, it just felt right, and it felt like it was such a part of supernatural. We've seen similar scenes throughout the years, and yet. Every time we see something similar, it just always works. And to have these moments where Jack can, can flex, or I should say, Alexander Calvert, is that his yeah, name? Yeah, can flex his his uh, his acting abilities and his chops. I mean, this is the type of scenes we get. And how is it we like Kelly now? I know, right? Yeah, but we that just makes no it, sense. I mean, shit. But every time she's popped in, she popped in last year, did great as the shapeshifter, I believe. But her as a per- yeah. as a performer did great.
2: Then we like her again here. But we just did not like her in the, I believe, season 12. 12, yeah. Well, I think that, again, it comes down to what you've built. In season 12, a great thing you said, Mike, was take for granted. Yeah. In season 12, there was a lot, and 13, there was a lot of taking for granted. Oh, the fans will love it. They'll just watch. They won't ask too many questions. And Kelly Klein was something that, oh, just, she's a character. She's a woman in peril. We should like her. She's nice. The fans will love it. But we didn't know who she was. We didn't care. We didn't know if Jack was going to be important or not in the very beginning where if Lucifer was going to be the, a major element in season 12, now that we've had some character building and we've seen what Jack has become and what was important to him and, and using Kelly's appearances sparsely and wisely, yeah. well thought out will yep. make that hit all the more powerful.
3: Yeah. Well, I think that's why this instance of her showing up actually meant more like it. Absolutely. It, I, for them to actually reunite and, and, hit us in the feels of, we forget that he technically has never met his mother. Right. So for, for, you know, and we know her because we're viewers, right? We know, we know of her and we know what she's like, but he's never met her. So for him to meet her and, and kind of hit us in the feels, I think that's what made that more powerful. We weren't like, Oh, Callie. Like we were like, Oh man. Yeah. And well, we care about this character now. Yeah. Absolutely. You're right. And, and I also enjoyed, how they portrayed that scene in, in the fact that she was this little girl that was one of her memories of her dog like we'd seen you mean her happiest moment was wasn't the birth of her son no, I mean, no I mean, she i'm died. her vagina stretching probably yeah. i'm judging her well i think also too you got to understand that A heaven horrifying is, moment too <laughs> yeah well lucifer's outside and you're gonna die and now you're never mind um i just think that 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 was cool we got to kind of an insight we've seen heaven a few times but that yeah. was neat to see how she changed too into her when she realized who it was mm-hmm. that was neat for me because we've seen heaven a few times but we haven't really delved into everyone's the workings the workings and the and the yeah. i guess your ideal heaven image right. or whatever so that was neat to see but I, I think that's the biggest why her coming back meant something is that we actually give a shit now right And with Jack, we we like Jack. So it made sense. So it matters now, yeah. Exactly.
2: And at the same time, it raised the stakes because his death immediately leads into some serious consequences for both heaven and earth. And it also tied perfectly into what was going on with heaven. One of the big sticking points we had in season thirteen was you're just gonna bring that about and walk away Mm -hmm. and, and not delve into that anymore. But by having the cosmic entity show up. In a way that turned him from it. I don't even know what the fuck you call it. The slime monster turned it wow, from. that's that's slimest.
3: That is slimest. <laughs> it. You can't use those words. They, they used, don't be
0: dismissive about pronouns, okay, Thomas?
2: They took this entity <laughs> and changed it from some indifferent cosmic force that that was didn't really care. And they made it malevolent in a yeah. way that didn't feel... Snidely Whiplash, mustache twirling. Yeah. I'm just the villain. <laughs> yeah, it it yeah. felt like it made sense. It's it going on a rampage within heaven. Great, great scene. Very you know dark, reminiscent of previous elements that we've seen in Supernatural. Searching out Jack because of this sense that it owns him, it belongs to him. We we get a sense of how dark this thing is, and that there's more going on behind the scenes, behind in its its consciousness. Well, and also it kind of ties into
4: the fact that, w- at least it makes me question, would it have even have gone after Jack if Castillo hadn't woke him up in the first place?
2: Right. We don't know. And yeah. that's a great way to ask questions because then it actually has some of the events from season 13 bleed into 14 and, and tie all of it together. And the actions of our characters in seasons 13 and 14 determine where they'll end up, how the universe is going to play out. So much of that is important. And you're right, A.B. We know that the, it was annoyed by Castiel when it woke up. But we don't know if it had always been asleep or if it's not able to go back to sleep now. And anybody who you know hasn't slept for a while, you get very irritable. <laughs> Turning this Thank lack of sleep <laughs> <you're> welcome, into <laughs> malevolence, it makes sense. Yeah.
0: Well, that's why backtracking just a second, Thomas, to... Th- Jack's death and Mm -hmm. whether or not it's going to have any real impact in the show. This is how you make a death. Again, because death has been cheapened in this show, death never really matters. So how do you make it matter? Well, this death has
2: galactic consequences,
0: massive ramifications, massive. And that's why I felt like this death worked, because you're absolutely right, Thomas. It raised those stakes. Yeah. And that's the only reason why I got behind it. Death
2: is no longer a solace. Or, or, well, that's done. It's, no, just because you died doesn't mean the story's done. You have a domino effect yeah. into play now.
0: These consequences that are now in play, all because of a plot device, Jack's death, worked so well.
2: Right. And from what we've learned from last week, you know, what... Has caused the entity to do this? Why why is it so involved? Those now, are the questions, right? These are important questions for whether or not this will be the big bad for a season. We know it's not Michael. Is it gonna be involved with Nick having talked to some entity, whether that's Lucifer or maybe a Braxis, we don't quite know, and how that's gonna come into play. The entity is awake, it is mad. And it now has a couple of targets. You woke the sleeping that's...
0: giant. Oh, he's mad.
2: Oh, he done mad now. He gonna fuck us up. You
0: done did it now. You done did it, motherfucker. I was sleeping. It was Tuesday.
3: Man, I was out. I was fucking my sister <laughs> and you woke me <laughs> what? up. What? Huh? You were asleep while you were doing that? Yeah. I get a sleep boner. And my, my sister <laughs> my sister comes in and takes care of me. I don't ter- even know where. He even Durrell's jokes. Because yeah. I don't even, it doesn't even make sense. I don't get it. And then I wait, fucked you... her. And then, <laughs> wait, what? And then I. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god jesus but that was perfect i don't know what you guys are talking
2: about the point is this this effect this disturbance of the natural order something that i personally have have kind of griped about in some ways over the years of doing the show and even You've as a fan a little bit you know like there's times in which they do things that it just doesn't seem to matter and finally whether it's like attempting to kill a sister of fate or destroying death They're answering some of these questions on a more cosmic scale, and I like it. But these effects, these disturbances, very well may have caused a ripple effect. The entity is awake because Castiel was awoken. Something happened with Lucifer or Abraxas. That entity, that creature, is coming alive, it seems. The barrier has been broken, and now this thing is free and and angry. Could this have something to do with with lucifer and possibly the abraxas situation could that all be connected yeah. as well
4: yeah it's almost These are like again the, uh, what is it the the prison guard stepped away for a moment and now the prisoners yeah, are trying yeah. to break
2: out now there's a riot all of this is building blocks that lead us to ask intrigue not just well, okay what the fuck are you going to do with the shadim then do they not matter no but <laughs> that was season 13 and now this season is this is all playing into each other. All of it's interwoven, interconnected in a way that leads to some serious questions being asked as we move into the mid-season finale. And if the end game of this season is anything like it's fucking started out as, we're we're about halfway through. That that's going to be a strong, well-knit ending.
0: Yeah, if everything mm-hmm. is go- coming together, as we are seeing it and the amount of thing, well the amount of uh, elements that they have going on right now, if they keep doing what they're doing, then all of this will matter by the end of the season. You're not going to have weird things drop away that, that yeah. leave us scratching our head.
2: And I think the biggest difference is season 13 was a lot of setup and then we just walked away.
0: Yeah. And this season. It's like season, they changed their mind. Yeah. Like, all right, we're, we're not going to do that. Yeah. We didn't like Hasmodation. Cosmic
2: Dance. Leviathan Lovecraftian horror. Eh, that's yeah. an episode. <laughs> Shadeem, fuck it. You can see their hand, that's enough. Right. You know, King Kong from another dimension, yeah, skip that too. Like so many things that were brought up and, and just left. And in season fourteen, everything that's brought up is tying back into some of those loose ends and stitching everything together in this strong narrative. That's what we want. That's what we've had from season four and five that we loved so much. And a great example of that is how Jack's breathed death helped us answer some questions. With Naomi showing up, and I, I think the count of officially alive angels is at eight
0: now. It, yeah. Dude,
3: it's super low. I was wondering that myself. I'm like, is there like three of these well, I kept a, t- left? a tally. Like, as she long said there as was,
0: Duma stays alive, I'm good. I love that. Why is that? And she stays in that vessel. Steamy. Yeah.
3: (laughs) I'd like to. Never mind. But
2: we know that Naomi knows of the empty, and she gives us a little bit of an answer to some questions we've had, which is Castiel is the only one to have escaped from that. God talked before about how he can recreate them, but it takes time. Like the the Archangel, we don't have time to do that kind of thing. Mm. However, Castiel is the only one that has ever escaped. I loved that. Well, that also
0: clues us in that Naomi and some of the angels actually know of the empty, because Castiel had no concept
2: of it. Correct? As far as not my understanding. Yeah, yeah. He asked, "Where am I?" Kind of thing. Yeah,
0: we we might still need some clarification. Maybe he does know the empty. That's where the angels go. Maybe he just wasn't aware of where he was at when he woke up.
2: Right. it it,
0: it seemed like Duma and Naomi were like, "Yeah, we know of the empty." Right. So that's probably something we will eventually need
2: more clarification they had to know something because they call it the shadow they refer to it directly you know uh, that's fucking cool too the
0: entity that rules over the empty
2: yeah yeah and more importantly all of this jack's death and trying to fight to bring him back and the entity showing up also reminds us of the much-needed plot that is what's going on with heaven and how close it is to collapse Mm. literally the sun is flickering out in jack's heaven yeah which is a perfect way into which okay it's not just they went to heaven and it says hey exposition time we're totally fucked yeah it's something that jack's there it makes sense that he would be able to find a way out the, the because he's an angel out. the the sun's winking out and and flickering like a bad light bulb that's a metaphor for my life that is the my lights life. going out it's just going out <laughs> that is my life my, my future it all but it makes sense and and even Castiel's little bit of exposition, like all the gates of heaven are open. They're playing a distress signal. It's intrigue like and raises the stakes. And we're all invested to saying, OK, well, now he has a reason to go there beyond just saving Jack. It all it's not just out of left field like, hey, an angel showed up and said, hey, I need your help. Or mm. I was listening to the angel radio because I was bored on a Tuesday and I hear a distress signal. It was he had a reason to go there, and that led into something else, and then he had to make a decision which leads into something else. All of that works. And it also dealt with one of the bigger issues this year, which has been Michael not knowing where, he's, where he is, what's going on with
3: that. Constantly being mysterious and not knowing exact locations. Hiding in the shadows.
2: Not only do we get to see some clarification on that – But we also get to see set up for the rest of this season, the mid-season finale. Not
4: only that, but Naomi also kept some of her character traits because obviously she had that information and she didn't just call Castiel and say, hey, we know where Michael is. It was almost like she was holding on to it to either bargain or force him to do something. But... She's also had character growth because whenever he did the good thing and and basically saved heaven, um, she was able to say, "Okay, I've got this information. Thank you. Here it is."
2: Right. It's it's. She's actually helping out more rather than demanding because she knows she's no longer in a
3: position to demand. She needs all the fucking help yeah. she can get. Right. There's like fucking three of them up there. She needs some help.
0: And this goes right back to how we started this discussion. All of this, all of this that we learned this week was all made possible by Jack's death. Yep. yep. If it wasn't for the how they wrote it, it would have been really hard and quite a scene of exposition to explain these things. Right. This is how you fucking write a goddamn episode.
2: Jack dies. Therefore, Cassiel has to go to heaven to get his soul. Therefore, he finds out that the empty is after Jack. Therefore, he makes a decision which results in Naomi telling him, hey, here's where Michael is. Yeah. A, then B, then C, based on the decisions made in the moment it's by our characters. It's
0: all woven together. Yep. It's well fucking done.
2: Yeah. And so with Michael being brought up, too, that, that is very, very fucking interesting that Naomi knew about that. And it does lead me to wonder what else she knows about heaven as whole. She knew about the, ent- the empty, the cosmic entity. She knew Michael's location. I still don't trust her 100%. I don't well, think anybody should.
0: I don't trust her. No way.
2: No. But it
0: did, it did res- I trust Duma though. Oof, I trust her with a lot of things.
2: <laughs> it, it brought up some stuff that needed to be touched on from previous seasons in a way that didn't feel contrived.
3: wish Duma would touch on some stuff. Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Duma, I'll be doing you. <laughs> oh, that's a Ryan joke. That is. All right. Terrible. Really fast. Don Garrett in the chat says, was it confirmed that the entity was a though?
2: No, uh, we no. never, did we say no, that? No, they didn't know. Yeah,
0: no. no, I don't even think that. Do Nobody you? has
2: talked about a Braxis no, since better not last be. week. That'd be weird. That'd be odd. Yeah, we, Why the fuck would the entity care about Lucifer?
0: Yeah. And I think it was made clear through, um, Naomi's whole explanation that he is the ruler over the empty. And, Abraxas has not been stated as that no. and it's also been stated that the the entity the cosmic entity has been in slumber for eons forever for eons so if Abraxas was hopping around earth about nine years awake. ago then yeah then yeah he would have to be awake which wouldn't be consistent with what we know of the cosmic entity so, so definitely think, not so Abraxas is a
2: separate entity that we're still going to have to find out about with Nick's plot line I'm sure yeah. And, you know, with the whole Abraxas and Cosmic Entity thing, it is interesting because the writers recently, or or I should say during Helatus, mentioned that they'd have to pull back on some of the lore this year due to the shortened episodes. We it,
0: we went on a tirade about that. We, we, were, we, we
2: were not happy about that, if I remember correctly. But yeah. honestly, it, it doesn't – I think they misspoke and had a different understanding of what they meant by saying yeah, that. i because I agree. It doesn't feel like they've pulled back. They're just more, again, the key word, focused. I think Dab needs a dictionary and just be like, okay, what does pull back mean?
0: <laughs> what is pull back and – because he's the one who said it.
2: Yeah. And we were like, you're what? wrong, dude. Like, I'm sorry. That's not what you meant. Meredith Glenn, you know, did not sentences. Wasn't for there him. for him. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> fucking Christ.
0: Meredith, I need to release a, a press release. I, I, I don't have any words. What do do I say? Uh, Meredith is at lunch right now, Dab. He's a fuck it. I'm going to have to wing this one. I'm going to have
3: to go in this
0: one. Winger. Instead of saying nuanced and more focused, I'm going to say we're going to pull back on lore.
2: That's what you want, right?
0: Robert Singer's all, that doesn't make any sense, Dab. God damn it. Who let let him talk to the press again? I'm counting my money right now, so I'm not even going to help you out.
2: You're (laughs) on your own, Dab. (laughs) No, but because there seems to be just as much new concepts, interesting stuff brought into this season It's just with purpose, unlike season 13, which was like, hey, here's the shadim." All right, then. Yeah. And And they just fucking walked away. They were never brought up again.
0: And that's something that you and I talked about, Thomas. I'm not sure if it was on the air or off air, but they're not taking broad strokes. And it goes right back to what Ryan said at the beginning beginning of the show. They're not having these big ideas, necessarily. Right. The, The... they're focusing on the smaller details, and I feel like that's why this season's working because they're not trying to wow you every episode. They're trying to tell a serialized- The multiverse. All right, then. They're telling you a serialized story that, that you have to be patient for, and one episode goes smoothly right into the next. And I that's prefer a good this way. type of writing.
2: Honestly, that's a good way to say it because when I look back at season 13, it does feel like, hey, this will catch people's attention who just watch one episode. Like, the thing, which I liked a lot about that episode, that's a completely, like, self-contained story.
0: Yeah, and we don't need to worry about—I don't mind having Monster of the Week episodes, but we don't—at this point in the game, I don't think we need to try to woo people over during season 14's run on live air. Yeah. No one's going to be checking out the show 14 seasons in on episode eight. Oh, gee i wonder what this show's about yeah thomas and i made jokes about that last <laughs> week oh listen you know the show premiered when i was 14 now i'm 30 i'm gonna suddenly decide to watch it yeah that's these guys
3: like, are rugged and old i'm gonna watch this show there's some like old man watching yeah, when well, you're 30 years old you don't sound like that <laughs> I, well, Our, I how old are you doesn't matter <laughs> that's ageist Mike. that's you not can't yeah you can't ageist that's ageism <laughs>
2: dick but you're right they're they're not going with big galactic things and hey let's just watch this one episode and isn't that fun it's actually building blocks to something greater and a primary example of that backtracking just a little bit is michael did we honestly get an answer i think we did yeah with this episode
3: of, how hard was your boner uh 7 out of 10 <laughs> he was at 6. <laughs> Six point oh! Wow, I, I walked into that one. Yeah, Jesus. you did.
0: No, I—that's what I took it as. I took it as an answer. If yeah. if Naomi is able to pinpoint where Michael's at, well, then guess what? Mm. He's not possessing Dean, right? No. He, yeah. I mean, how? Uh, I mean, I guess they could still kind of pull uh, pull one over on us. But he's I think in the it, bunker. <laughs>
4: fuck Somewhere in Kansas. <laughs> you
0: go, oh, shit. Niobe's going to pinpoint me. I'm going to slowly slip out of Dean without him knowing. And I'm going to go- pull out. Oh, I've been inside of him really this whole bad.
3: time. Mm.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I was glad that they didn't just heavy handedly reveal that he's not hiding in Dean. Again, assuming. And I think it's safe to say, are we it's all in safe. agreement at this point? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What about you, Avi? Are you in agreement as well? Or do you still think there's a chance?
4: I don't want to be in agreement.
0: But you want him to possess, be uh, inside a dean. You want him to be possessing him.
4: I I just want to be right. But oh, oh, <laughs> right. But no. When when she said, you know, we have a good idea. Although she did say we have a good idea, and if she says, you know, somewhere in the Midwest of America,
2: this is Lebanon, Kansas, he seems to show up in. <laughs> <and>, My <laughs> God, he's right next to you right now.
3: Stupid. That's something I would. They play understand. a game I think of hot and cold. <laughs> You're warmer. getting warmer, you big silly goose. I don't
0: think this uh, spell is working very. It says I'm very right good. next
3: to him. <laughs> it's got like an app on his phone. It's like an etch and sketch spell. He, she's all shakes it again. She's like, Let's start over. It's like magic eight ball. Is Dean close? <laughs> yes.
2: So many things you could take from that. <laughs> no, I I think it is pretty safe to say that he's not possessing Dean at the moment. I think it's we still have questions about what he did to Dean as a vessel. Why would you leave the Michael sword just on the ground there and walk away? That doesn't make any sense. So I I think that's I wouldn't be
4: surprised if he... um, Ryan, don't take this the wrong way, but I wouldn't be surprised if he almost... Because they've made a mention about how angels leave a bit of their grace inside their vessels Mm. even after they Or on their vessel. But maybe left a a backdoor way now that... Uh, (laughs) I knew you were going to do that. Um, But now that that Dean has said yes, and we saw in last week's, not last week's, but the episode before, you know, Dean's vision going blurry, doing some interesting conversations that was going on around him. I I wouldn't be surprised if he, you know, could maybe see what Dean is seeing or hear what he's seeing or or maybe somehow can get back in that way.
0: See, so, that, that makes a lot of sense. So what I you're agree.
3: saying is that Lucifer roofied Dean, and that's why his vision was getting talking about And Michael. then he was going to go Michael, Michael, oh, Michael, sorry. And then he's going to go in the back door. Oh, Jesus. Now that he's roofied. Yeah. Is that essentially, that's what you said, right? No. No. Nope. Okay. That, that's <laughs> your
4: own fan fiction, Ryan.
3: Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, okay. You know what, though? It, in all seriousness, that actually sounds like that could be... I think the thing for me was the 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 blurry vision yeah and him losing like a- being able to hear like dazed yeah i mean obviously we have to know that the writings on the wall there for michael that that has to be something to do with michael and yeah. i think
0: I, I don't think that's those those are one of those reveals that we are going to all expect do you think not, something, I mean, they're not trying to create misdirection it's yeah. like listen guys there's something, something's going
3: on i think it's i think V's right though i think it's it has to do with michael being able to see what dean can see and i think it's something kind of like this is going to sound so stupid, but like the Harry Potter, like with the how Voldemort could see Harry Potter. Yeah. Experianza. Yeah, Yeah, that's it. That's the exact word. Uh, What's the word? It's Expelliarmus. Nerd. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. Um, But I think you're right, Mike. It's, Maybe it's, he
0: has the invincibility cloak on. And we invisibility? Can't see him. Invisibility? Oh, Clo- invincibility. Not invincibility. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not a Harry Potter nerd. I only yeah, watched it invisible twice. Invisible
3: and invincible are two different words. Well, baby, I meant
2: invincible. There is. Okay. Mike writes Harry Potter fan fiction. Yeah. <laughs> he, he,
0: dude, Mike knows Harry Potter. Were know. you trying to tell me there's no such thing as an invincible cloak? That's what you were about to say,
3: right? It's, it's not a thing.
0: But, but you're it, about to say that's not real, right? It, <laughs> because you know yeah.
3: the invisibility cloak is also not
0: real. Yes, it is. It's
3: real. I saw. I seen it. <laughs> I like
0: when he's about to stop himself from saying something foolish. He's all, it's not real. It's yeah. not real. It's not a thing. None of it is. <laughs> <laughs> Neither is this show. I quit. Hey. No yelling in the mic. David. All right. So I, I feel like all of this is leading to something, especially this week because Absolutely. of them bringing Lily Thunder back i'm wondering if by using her
2: to reintroduce that magic concept of using your own soul as fuel, as fuel. for a nokian angel magic that could easily play into what's going on with dean and michael
0: and because everything is so focused this season and everything has a point I feel like Meredith Glenn and Dab wouldn't bring in Lily Sunder just because, hey, who can we use to help bring Jack back? Because they could have done that with with Sergei. They could have done that with Rowena. No, they right. specifically chose Lily Sunder to be the one. I'm not saying her story's going to continue. I'm saying there's something connected to her storyline, the themes that are connected is going to eventually align with what they're doing with supernatural. Oh, yeah, There's some that, type right. that makes of subtext going on.
4: Because she's a human using Enochian magic and obviously yes. used it to, you know, live for a very long time. And so we have Jack, who, though he technically is a, a Nephilim, I mean he is a human vessel with angelic grace and Enochian magic. Right. It's I mean, it's right. perfect. And it also wrapped up her storyline too. So
0: Yeah. So I, yeah. I just don't think they're just, they pulled some random person. There, there's somebody no. that they wanted, it's somebody that she they wanted to use that they can utilize everything that came before as a way to, you know, connect, connect those themes and thoughts to our current narrative.
2: Yeah. And I liked that they brought her in for that element because it wasn't just, like you said, it could have been anybody else. It could have been Rowena or whomever, but it, do, it does feel like them trying to deliberately tie up a loose end. Season 12 introduced her, and it was fun, but it was just the one episode, really. Having her be relevant to this, for the plot, for her story to come to a close, she's brought back for a purpose rather than just, hey, isn't this cool to watch for an episode?
0: Yeah, especially since her story is di- directly connected to the Nephilim.
2: Absolutely. Uh, it made sense. Yeah. How can she help someone else when she couldn't save her own child who was a Nephilim and and – that penance in a way for all the things she's done. It was, it was really strong. And I think, I think that was a smart, deliberate decision. And that's why, again, it all comes down to this feeling very, very focused overall. So with that, we want you guys to remember that it is the holiday season. So again, we are giving away Supernatural, the crossroads t-shirts when you pledge $10 or more in December. (laughs) If you pledge $10 or more a month, you will receive a free Crossroads tee, and if you pledge before December 24th, you will receive a free Supernatural Trivial Pursuit game courtesy of the folks at USAopoly. Now, again, supplies are limited on that, so do not wait. The shirt and the game will be delivered after your payment is processed, your first payment. So you will receive the videocast, the retrospectives, the specialty discussions, the monthly bonus Crossroads podcast, the pre-show, the cinematography of Supernatural, and the 10 minutes at the Crossroads minicast, plus the t-shirt and the Supernatural Trivia Pursuit game, all when you pledge $10 or more a month. And again, this is only to new Patreon subscribers and upgrades are eligible for this. So, thank you for being a subscriber, and we hope that you stay a subscriber for about three months at least, guys. That would really help us out. Don't just want to... We don't like one-night stands. Yeah. Don't just rail and bail.
3: Yeah, but sometimes, like... We need more than one and done. Don't be a Ryan and Rail and Bale. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so for those of you interested, head on over to patreon.com slash Rainman Digital. <clears throat> now again, Lily Sunder returning to the story was really great because it had direct ties to the events that were going on in this episode. It was a nice wrap-up package for her. And ultimately, it always comes down to the souls. The mainstay of Supernatural has always been right in the center for almost every major myth arc in some way. And I loved that the tiny little references in this one, like saying how living without a soul, Sam's the one who says, I know that believe me, like he of anybody can know what it's like to live without that. Yep. And the consequences that may come with and a character like this and the heavily heavy implications that come with her is something that as a strong writing staff, as a, as a, Frankly, as a good writer, you don't bring back unless you have a deliberate point, whether that be wrapping up and and leading into subtext or supporting characters for the major events or involved with the major events yourself. It, it was a sh- great way to bring her back. This was the time this was the episode yep. in which she would have had the most impact.
3: We always talk about it I don't know how many times we've said it, but if you're going to bring a character like this back, there has to be a specific reason There and has this, to be and this This episode was one hundred percent the best reason to bring her back and I think you know it was it was also added you know to what her in general by her being old, I know I've made fun of it but her letting, you know, the, the her, herself age, there was all kind, And we got to see, you know, a lot of magic again in this episode of what, you know, how she's been kind of doing what she was doing. So I, I, I think this was the 100% the most perfect way to bring her back and make her relevant, um, than anything they could have done.
2: Yeah. And it was, it was nice to have that kind of bookend to her story as well. the. Mm-hmm. And how it all had to do with the theme in this episode, more than fear, was acceptance. Jack being the other side of that coin. Sam and Dean have always been afraid of death and always fought against it. And Jack's like, I'm going to die and I'm like two years old. All right, then. It's an adventure. Yeah.
0: And, that's like something, that, and that's something we discussed and went into during last week's discussion. Yeah. And they're following up again with another episode that where the theme is not just fear, but it's also the act of acceptance.
2: And Lily Sundered is a great support for that concept with her accepting her death, deciding that that whisper of her soul is more important than living on and and doing anything else, which ultimately did work in her favor. And I like that, too, because it's a character making a decision that affects her outcome, that affects the story. It's not just random happenstance occurring, which a lot of 12 and 13 kind of felt like. And, you know, the 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 entire episode, the death is such a painful concept for them. You know, Dean talking about to hell with a purpose that Jack's death isn't some God's plan, you know, kind of throwing that in Chuck's face, isn't for a greater reason. And it does touch those family notes, those those concepts that the death of a child is so perverted so wrong in our mind of how that should be timelines that's not right yeah
0: i think they're playing with a lot of different things because as i said the acceptance of of not just death but the acceptance of your fate yeah right and then dean purposely the writers purposely had dean say to hell yeah to hell with a purpose jack's death isn't part of some grand plan it's Mm -hmm. just simply wrong but That doesn't mean the way Jack's death, along with Lily Saunders, doesn't serve as that lesson that we spoke of last week. The idea of being okay with your fate, I feel like there's yet another lesson for Sam and Dean here in this episode. And I want to clarify, when we say fate, Thomas, we're not talking about the philosophical definition of fate. That would go against the whole concept of team free will. We're talking about the acceptance of fate in its truest sense. Things that cannot be controlled, allowing... Things that happen. Yes, allowing nature and the universe to maintain that balance, which yeah. Yeah. which was the name. What was the name of last week's episode?
2: Byzantium. No, oh, last, oh, week's, last episode. week's episode Unhuman uh, nature.
0: Yes. So all of this goes right back. Look at the names of the episodes. Look at what they're doing inside of every episode. They're they're saying something within the subtext and all of it's going to lead to this grand finale when the dominoes start dropping towards the end of the year. If well, they can maintain this high, go ahead,
2: Avi.
4: Well, I was gonna say, you know, we were talking about the names of the um, the episodes, and Byzantium was a Yeats poem. My, I, I think I'm saying that correctly. And yeah. if you um, if you look at what it's about, it's actually about being old and accepting your fate and what comes next.
2: Oh, there we go. Way All to go, right. Meredith Glenn. It, does, it is directly tied. Thank you, Amy, Thank you, Amy, for that. Thank and God there's someone smart in here. We need one, right? Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, as you said, A.V., that, that acceptance of fate and, and so much of what Jack and Lily are trying to teach in this episode, it's something Sam and Dean have defied since the beginning of this fucking show. Right. Yeah. And have looped their own people into that concept. Castiel defied heaven to join Team Free Will. And Jack is now doing it as well because of the Winchester's actions i mean since last season we've been crossing through realities like it's a fucking revolving door whether that's you know the bad place or kaya's or, or apocalypse world or what have you they've constantly been disrupting the balance of the universe something that death said this is a house of cards do not fuck with this and they're like fuck that we've been fine forever and i think it is something that it it really is a lesson they have yet to learn. They learned so much through seasons one through five about family and what's really important, but the lesson they've never learned is accepting things. They never accepted Mary's death. They never accepted, <laughs> you know, Castiel dying. They've never accepted each other dying. They've never accepted so much of how the world works. And now you have things like the cosmic entity that shouldn't have been woken up angry, walking around attacking heaven. You have Michael from another universe has dipped into fucking with the ecosystem of monsters in this world. They've brought back a Nephilim from the dead. All these things are them fucking with the balance, the order of things. And Jack, in many ways, is trying to teach them this lesson they have yet to learn, that sometimes you have to accept fate, as Mike said, not destiny and and philosophically, but people die, man.
3: Sometimes things just happen. It's the way that things go, is that People die, things, you know, animals, die. everything dies, man. And I think it, it's such a, it, you forget how many times when you, when you start to think about it, how many times they've defied death and people that have, are around them have defied death. And there's certain characters that even though they've technically are still dead, they still show up somehow. And I think that's the, that's the show in a whole. And they've been warned on a cosmic level, what yeah. this could do, yep to to them and i think now seasons. we're starting 10 yep. and 10
2: with the darkness and saying you can't get and, rid of the mark of Cain. you know 11 with the darkness trying to destroy god and the light of the universe winking out yeah 12 with the mental letter saying you guys have just fucked things up forever and constantly sticking your dick in things and
0: that's why these writers <laughs> right. are are posing these questions and and setting up these types of lessons because we're not saying that sam and dean did anything necessarily wrong but it, when you think about it, put this into perspective, the lack of acceptance is why we are where we are today in the show. Yep, yep. Everything that's going on is because of their lack of acceptance. And, you know, this is not about judging our, our fictional character, Sam and Dean. It's more about properly posing those philosophical questions that help your overall story. And that's what the writers are doing. They're posing those questions and they're teaching lessons within their writing for our heroes to learn. That's how you write shows. Yeah. That's why this season is so strong because the last two seasons were void of any of this.
2: Yeah. Substance. True, meaningful substance. There was a lot of flash and a lot of cool things and a lot of emotion through season 13 and and less so 12. But it didn't have purpose. They were just – it was a sandbox full of toys and no direction to go in. And it is truly – Writers asking important questions about our characters and where they are. And you're right, Mike, that is all since season five, since season one is why we're here today.
0: And good writers should always challenge the decisions that our heroes have made. That's how you create drama. It's not always about the sadness of death. It's also, have we made the right decisions? Have we made the right decisions? Well, put those, pose those questions in your narrative so that we can understand it. Even if we don't, pick up on the, those little tidbits of, of subtext. It doesn't matter if mind. we don't overtly pick up on it. Subconsciously
2: we get it. Now, honestly, that's better if we don't yeah, get it. It's called not heavy handed. Exactly. Don't smack us in the face with it. Not everybody likes to be slapped with a big old penis across no. the forehead.
3: <laughs> All right, we know Ryan does. I don't I like doing with, the with your own. Yeah. Like what? <laughs> do I have a three foot dick? I'm so I don't do you? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> now it's bigger than 6.9 i was trying to talk you up oh thank you. <laughs> yeah like talk me up like get me up or talk also yes
0: <sighs> never mind i wasn't trying to do anything <laughs> Just pretend <he's> not here.
2: <laughs> now we talked before about how they had how andrew deb had mistakenly said he was trying to pull back on the lore because in this episode we get some brand new stuff we, no, that's not possible. We were pulling back on the
0: lore this <laughs> Hey, season.
3: we're going to pull back. Hey, right, this episode, let's go fucking
0: full bore into the... Hey, Meredith, I'm confused. I thought we were pulling back on lore. No, I said we're going to focus our writing, Dab. Oh, okay, then continue. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but we got some Egyptian gods, which we they talked all the way back to Osiris, who we hadn't seen since season seven. I love it. Which was great. Yeah. Episode for season seven back then. The, it was the, a good episode. The weighing of guilt and have your decisions Powerful. been right or wrong and are you doing it because you're selfish? Things that still are, are being asked to this day. Are they bringing Jack back because of selfishness when Jack himself could accept it? He was fine with, with dying. dying.
3: Yeah. Right.
2: They were the ones who weren't. Now, isn't
0: it interesting that they choose to use these gods oh. right, right when we're questioning the actions uh-huh. of Sam and Dane? Now suddenly we have the very individuals that weigh your rights and wrongs. Yeah. That's fucking smart.
2: Yeah, and I also like how it's a, it's a more ancient God than the Judeo-Christian version we yes. kind of have. It, especially when we've been asking these questions about Abraxas and mm-hmm. fate and balance of the universe and you have two different gods who both weigh good and evil in your actions. There's a deliberate reason they went back to this concept and i liked that they had a way to bring anubis about when osiris had kind of been like put in a stasis or whatever the happened to him at the end of season seven Mm
1: -hmm.
2: that anubis is the one that they brought about and it reminded me very much of american gods other ties into literature of what we how we view things in our world and especially in america and it's something that we question all the time with new lore unfolding every single season. We had a lot of cracks that were starting to form within the established lore, things that we didn't have answers for things that by introducing concept a, you deliberately retcon or fuck up concept B. Mm. And with this, with Anubis being the one that they say, yeah, God left. So we needed someone else. And it fills in the blanks that, was great that was a nice plot sealer that that didn't feel contrived i was like okay this and it does something supernatural did really well back in season five with hammer of the gods where it incorporates all these other pantheon deity religions into it and it's all kind of this cohesive bitterly working together whole well that that
3: works it what i like about it is that when you look at supernatural on a whole when it comes to gods in general it's all kind of meshed together where they all work together like you said in a in a a you know a very bitter way of them working together but it makes sense and i think one of the things that we love about supernatural in general is that they can mesh all these different religions and these different gods together yeah. where it does make sense i think if they wouldn't have explained you know this is why we, well no he doesn't he works with heaven he's not a part of he's a temp yeah he's a temp <laughs> right? but it made sense to what what we were doing here, and the fact that they they didn't have what I love is that when when he does show up, he finally shows up. He he he's not your, you know, it wasn't just some Egyptian dude. It was a guy dressed like an accountant. An accountant, yeah, yeah. And I liked that. I liked the fact that he used an abacus. I liked the fact that it wasn't the traditional thought process of what Anubis would look like.
2: Um, it's taking it and spinning it on its ex- head. Exactly. Which Supernatural's always done that. We've we've seen Zeus. We've seen Anubis and Osiris. Now, you know, we've seen. Uh, Odin, Thor, Thor, all kinds of other different religions and and mythologies come in and mixed, it, and it was it was nice. It was a well done way to solve questions that they themselves recently had been bringing up.
0: Cool. Yeah, and that's just a natural, a natural part of a show that. That has gone on more than five, six yeah. years. We're moving into the rare territory of a decade plus of of seasons. Very rare. And you're going to have those cracks, as you said. You're going to have those issues with lore and, and potentially accidentally retconning continuity yep. and having some issues there. But things like this help answer some questions that form after 14 years. Because we, we were asking these questions like, well, who's in charge of who goes to heaven and hell? We've actually had these debates. Right. Is yeah. it death? Is it the reapers? Is it the angels? And now we have an answer. We didn't necessarily need it, but after 14 years and they cont- they're they continuing to feed us lore, they got to start filling those cracks that form.
3: Well, it's one of those things too, like this question here, like you said, Mike, we didn't exactly need it. No. It's something that we filled in with our own headcanon, yeah. you know? which is not a bad thing. But at the end of the day, when you get 14, <laughs> 14 years in, it's about time to fill in some of these things that maybe we didn't want, didn't need an answer for. But it's nice to now we have an answer for it. And I think that was the whole point of of this character showing up and this explanation of of who's the one that makes the decision or, or is there to yeah. guide this person to heaven or hell. And, and again, I, I think – Things can get convoluted exactly. after, after some yes, time. Yes, 100%. And we
0: need that
2: clarification. Yes. But what I like the most about all of that is that it did give us clarification for the inner workings of the cosmos. But it also didn't detract from how it's always been established. Yeah in supernatural with what anubis said that it, even he isn't the one who decides who goes to heaven and hell this is the best part for it's me it's not his decision it's you you make those decisions during your life that end you up in one or the other place it's on you that team free will still fits in an episode that talks also about fate yeah both concepts live independently and in symbiosis here. They work together. It's not 100% destiny. It is part of what you do and how you choose to to live your life, the, the actions that you take. But at the same time, there are things that are out of your control and you have to just accept and that, that will never change just because it's there's a balance. You can't live forever. Lily Sunder can't live forever. They can't defy death forever.
0: But ultimately I like that Meredith wrote how she wrote this episode how she essentially took the power back in terms of what free will really means i feel like by them choosing the writers choosing to take away the decision makers like god angels and the whole idea of judgment out of the equation and then placing it at the feet of humanity goes directly hand in hand with kripke's original concept of free will it works. In just, what, a 30-second scene? Yeah. And it, it clarifies and reestablishes that that concept has gone nowhere. Yep.
4: Well, yeah. and it also makes a good point as to why they used Anubis and not Osiris. Because in Osiris's episode, it was all about yeah. the guilt you felt and how you yep. felt about the decisions you made. Whereas with Anubis, it's not how you feel about the decisions. It's how your decisions, you know, Affect in, in, the in fe- world. affected the world around you basically. And whether it was for the good or not.
2: Yeah.
0: Cyrus was more like malevolent. Yeah. More, more had old his own, testament. Had his own agenda a bit. Yeah. yeah.
2: But you're right. It, it brings it all back. And it's something that I like a lot about this season. And one of the things I will give credit to Dab. Since he's been showrunner. Is bringing some things back to Kripke's original concepts. Or tying up some loose ends. We got Lily Sunder tied up. We also got it brought back to the core concepts of free will. You are the decision-maker, well, ultimately. And he
4: started out doing that at the beginning of the season with bringing back the monsters, too.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's all it's all been very well. Again, key word of the season, guys, focused. Yeah. That's the biggest yeah, difference. Absolutely. And
0: now it's going to fall all apart oh, after you winter dick. break.
2: It's derail time, baby.
3: <laughs> all right. Well, let's get into... before Before we... He hates Cry, us so much. He's
0: dude. he's doing it to just to us. He's like I'm gonna, like, I'm gonna make just to fuck Oh man,
3: I'm gonna make them so excited about this season, and then I'm gonna fuck them right in the ass in the second half. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Wait, Jesus. She, wow. Violent. All right. He, he probably hates us. I figured I'm sure it he be does. Violent. I'm sure he
2: does. But with that, let's get
3: into our final thoughts for this episode. Ryan, what'd you think? Um, man, I I of course I wasn't here for the last episode, so this is. Two ep a-, a this an A episode in a row and I think for me what I what I enjoyed B- about- Dale, <laughs> Dale, <laughs> bitch what oh, the fuck? Bitch Dale, um, Dale, he's dancing at this as he's writing the second half. The he's like, <laughs> yeah, man, I'm gonna <laughs> fuck him in the ass, baby. Here we go. He like uh, I'm taking this song back. I'm taking it back. I'm gonna ruin this show. <laughs> Then I'm going to move on to something else. Think Riverdale's got a spot. Spli- oh, that's already ruined. Uh, um, what? He just hates Riverdale. Have you even watched an episode of Riverdale? Yes, I have. I've seen
2: the trailers. Dude. Made, that show makes no fucking sense. It made sense. me want to
3: throw up. Anyways. Wow. Very aggressive. That's how I've been all night. <laughs> another A episode. And Another A episode. I I, I think ultimately this affirmed for me how I think we've all been feeling about Jack and the fact that they did stick with the death. Obviously, they they got... Him back, but I think right. it was a very shocking. What at what cost? But at, right at what cost? And I think now what we've also done—we didn't really mention it—but now we've we've laid the plans for Castiel to m- maybe die, yep, eventually. And I an end game, for an him end game for, sure. for for Castiel. And I think we've talked about it. He could have died last season, and it would have made sense. And now they've laid an end game for him. And I'm sure all the Castiel fans were so. Throwing so up here's the-
4: how the season finale goes: both boys survive. Everyone's standing around happy, and Castiel drops dead to the floor.
3: Oh. If that happens, I'm going to laugh. That's sad. Ball cry, and then I'll laugh. it would be funny. I, um, I can see that. I can happen. see, I can see that. that happen too. That's yeah, we a... won. <laughs>
0: <laughs> just. He's finally fucking Dean. Yep.
3: No. Oh, oh, I'm finally inside you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm just joking, non Destiel fans out there. Just jokes.
3: Just kidding. <laughs> Ryan, um,
0: Ryan got into that. I'm, I'm just
3: pandering, <laughs> but I I I think this was what a great lead up into our basically our mid season finale. I think now yeah we have a nice 100 percent idea of where we're going, and I think with this episode we what? got
2: we actually know where we're going. Yeah,
0: I know what,
3: was, what? direction, outline,
2: focus. What? <laughs> Um, <laughs> I love how he's never gonna. I love he how my. So much. I love how
3: my final thoughts turn into the joke thoughts. <laughs> yes. um, ultimately, though, I think this this was after last um, last episode and then moving into this episode. This is to where we needed to go. I think, like Mike said, using uh, Jack's death as an actual plot device that actually works for mm-hmm. multiple things was so smart. I love the fact that they brought Anubis in and explained the whole Osiris thing that we. Didn't really need an explanation for, but we still got, and it made sense. And I think this was not only tying up some loose ends, you know, with Lily Sunder and the whole, uh, Osiris and Anubis thing, mm-hmm. we, you've, but you've done it the right way. It wasn't just bringing them back for no fucking reason. And, right. and I think we always bitch and moan about that. So for me, this wasn't a episode. I think this is also the episode where I, th- this is what I thought when I watched this is that. This was Castiel passing the torch saying,
0: "What really?
3: Yes. I think, okay. I, I think for me, this is the way I felt about it at the end of the you episode. You think
0: Castiel's going
3: out? I think Castiel's going out and Jack is the replacement. And I think you've got two of the kind of similar, um, he is characters. a young Castiel. Like his, he behavior. is a young Castiel, and I think this this is the the kind of the passing of the torch episode. And I think it, for me, that's the way I felt at the end when he talks when they're talking to Kelly and kind of how just that whole feeling of you know he sacrificed himself for Jack basically, mm-hmm. and it would it would only make sense for him to pass the torch and say, "Hey, take care of my my family, and I will ride off into the sunset with." The, the empty. I think it just makes sense. He accepts his he, fate. He accepts his fate. And I think, and I think again, we just talked about a long segment about how fate is something that we've been able to kind of brush off. And I think this is smart to have Castiel be the first person to accept his fate and say, hey, this is... We don't is, believe in fate in the show. Yeah. I, <laughs> that's but that's the, what I'm saying. That yeah. that is... This is the, the, the Ex-
0: ultimate... Accepting the nature Castiel of Castiel has yeah.
2: learned from Jack that he can accept... Things. Exactly, Same and Dean still have to I learn think, that. And even
0: I, if it doesn't go in that direction per se, like completely like that, the fact that we're thinking that's is is
3: also good. Yes. Yeah. And and that's and and again, I know we've said that Cassio could have gone and everything like that, but I, this is the smartest way of doing it, where he saves a character that we've grown to love. I, I can sit in here and, and easily say that all three of us love this character now, Jack. Yeah. And oh, I, yeah. th- it makes yeah. sense to do it that way. So for me, that's the vibe I got from the end of this episode. But again, an A episode for me, this is going right. into the mid season finale. This is where I want to be.
2: That's right. a, that is a great statement. Yeah. AV, what about you? Final thoughts?
4: I'm definitely going to have to give this an a as well. Uh, there were just so, so many things that they brought back and tied up that was done. Well, it wasn't nostalgic. It just worked so well. And I love how the episodes are just flowing. Right. You know, from one end to the other, um one of the things I thought about earlier with Nick with how Lucifer has seemingly corrupted him is it made me think about the mark of Cain and how it corrupted Lucifer slowly over time, and I don't know, I just thought that was a a cool
2: a nice parallel yes,
0: um maybe the mark did affect him, maybe I mean if lucifer is a part of the vessel then wouldn't that mark also maybe affect him what
4: yeah whatever was wrong with maybe lucifer. that's how
0: they justify this this odd bond or connection
4: right this Possibly, mark of yeah. Cain
0: that refuses to let anybody die maybe that's why nick hasn't died
2: oh that's a whole oh, other thing man, now that's good. that's a whole maybe other he's turning shit. into a
0: demon dude like it's you. That's a great All right, well, point. now we baby. have another
2: Patreon episode. I think we're going to do that
0: during the ten minutes at the crossroads this week.
1: <laughs>
4: <laughs> um. But anyway, yeah. So definitely a episode. Um. Everybody's acting was just oh, Jesus Christ. It was oh, so yeah. good. Yeah, so um, good. Sam and his sadness, but resolution resolution to try to do whatever the next thing was, and then his sadness at not being able to do it, or his feeling of defeat. It. Dean was still the whole. This isn't gonna. Go this way, we need to find a way, but I don't know. He was so mature and grown up about it, though. Um, the co- phone call to Mary about it happened so very fast, very mature we compared didn't know to where what they to were. Do. Um, that's gonna, I'd like to see his second phone call where he calls her back and he goes, Psych, just kidding. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, and then psych, I just
0: wanted Bob, I just wanted Bobby to quit fucking you for five
3: minutes. Oh, that's oh, why, that's she, why, didn't why pick she didn't up. answer
4: the phone. Um, he
3: was balls deep.
4: You know, and then and then he balls make, deep. Make <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> and then uh, to touch on what Ryan said, he Casio, you know, accepted his fate, but he made the choice that was his of his own free will to make that choice right. to team free will. You know, to, to be able to accept that fate and be okay with it because he did not seem, you know, super upset about it. It was a good decision for him all the way around. Right. Um, I just, it was good. It's an A.
2: A episode. All right. Mike, what about you? Final thoughts for this episode?
1: I will say this.
0: Meredith Glenn has officially won me over after this week's episode. Yeah. And she will no longer be remembered as the person that wrote the one you've been waiting Uh. for. (laughs) (laughs) But as one of those good ones, she's definitely a keeper at this point. It's still too early to say that this season has managed to fix the missteps from last year. But so far, it looks like they're on damage control duty. Uh, This season does feel like. Supernatural, whereas last season felt like an insincere version of Supernatural, where, you know, alleged fan wants were placed above the importance of story. There's a nuanced approach that feels like the early days of SBN. And I pray to Chuck, (laughs) Lucifer or whoever will listen that they continue on this path. And that path is Sam and Dean. There are no distractions. There's no odd character returns that mean nothing for the story. It's just about Sam and Dean. Yeah. And I say that even when it comes to an episode like this, because everything that is happening, whether directly or indirectly, will ultimately affect Dean and Sam.
4: And, you know, Mike, about not, them, not so. to interrupt your final thoughts, but last week you talked about how there were no extraneous characters in the bunker because they didn't yeah. need to be there. And we saw that right. same exact thing this week, yeah. too.
0: Yeah. Yeah, thought exactly. out. You know Jack's death, Sam and Dean. It's about him, them. Castile's decision to make a deal with the cosmic entity will affect Sam and Dean. Yep. It, this is a stellar episode. It's a plus, a plus yep. writing, a plus for the cinematography that was paired perfectly with the writing. A plus performances. The visual effects were dope. Uh, I'm so stoked that they chose to stay with that primordial liquid yeah. as the uh, the cosmic yeah, entity's cool. true form. I love the attack on heaven. All of it was just fucking great.
2: Yeah. Just good. I agree. I I think that Meredith Glenn has absolutely raised herself up and away from that first episode. She is one of the writers that I will look forward to every time she's behind the page. I'm going to be excited for every episode she has. Her ability to capture the fandom's love and nuance and, and the tones of family, like that scene of... Sam, Dean, and Castiel just drinking and drinking and and toasting to Jack with the classic rock, which I love. That the classic rock is
1: mm-hmm. is
2: actually prevalent again. That is such a big what thing <laughs> thought out, paid attention,
1: what?
2: outline, focus. Yeah, use music musical cues that were so not
0: some rock generic tied. bullshit.
2: <laughs> yeah, all of that was great, as you said. the The special effects keeping the empty this this primordial ooze. I love that the narrative yeah, works do. perfectly for everything set up everything is perfectly led into one another the building blocks i mean we've talked about it to death this episode for me it's it's an a plus it's just this is why i watch the show shit like this so with that guys we only have one episode left from the mid season finale we're building up the return of michael perhaps the cliffhanger that we all know we're going to have to wait a short period of time about a month for as we return nine episodes then halfway through the 20 episode count and so far everything is looking looking fucking great and I, that does make me nervous in some ways but it should i'm us. also excited so i think that's it for us here supernatural the crossroads thank you guys for listening and we will see you all for the mid-season finale next week you little maggot you are no longer a part of this
3: story hey ass butt